Thank you all very much. Thank you, all of you, for being here uh, today. I'd like to start by acknowledging members of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. I thank you, all of you, for your hard work and your commitment to public service. Thank you for being here, members of the board. And in particular, I'd like to acknowledge the president of the Board of Supervisors, Supervisor Matt Gonzalez. I want to thank Supervisor Gonzalez for his years of service. I'd like to acknowledge our, our city attorney, Dennis Herrera, Assessor Mabel Tang, our newly appointed treasurer, Jose Cisneros, District Attorney Kamala Harris, our public defender, Jeff Adachi, our sheriff, Michael Hennessy. And I'm proud, I'm, I'm proud that we're joined today by Congresswoman Roy Bull Allard. Thank you, Congresswoman, for being here. Our good friend, our very own Mark Leno, Assemblyman for the City and County of San Francisco. Thank you, Mark. And Sam Mateo, Supervisor Mike Nevin. Thank you, Supervisor, for making your way up north. And, of course, my good friend, Mayor Willie Brown. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, for being here. We thank you. Thank you, Mr. Brown. I'm also proud to be joined today by the command staffs of the city and county's fire department and our police departments. And in particular, I'd like to recognize Fire Chief Joanne Hayes-White and Police Chief Heather Fong. Both are pioneers and innovators in their fields. We thank you, both of you, for being here. And of course, I'd like to thank Mission High School. The students of Mission High School, the faculty, the staff, Principal Kevin Truitt, as well, Principal Truitt, as well as the superintendent of schools, Arlene Ackerman, and the school board for allowing us to be here in this auditorium today. Thank you. You know, it wasn't so many months ago that San Francisco gave me the great honor of serving this city as your 42nd mayor. You know, I found a San Francisco that was confident of its past but uncertain of its future. Confronted by the greatest economic downturn in recent memory and the largest budget gap in the city's history. Challenged to provide essential services in the face of staggering federal and state budget cuts. Held captive by a growing gap between decision and execution, planning, and reality. Other cities face retreat in such challenges. But I did not run for mayor to lead a city in retreat. I believe this is a moment for San Francisco to advance. You know, after all, after all, we're San Franciscans. And there's no budget crisis that can cause us to surrender our core values. There is no economic downturn that can make us surrender for the fight for a safe, compassionate, and livable city. I ran for mayor to lead this city forward, and to move forward, we will. Together, together we are advancing to a place where our community is healthier, it is safer, and our community is stronger. Ladies and gentlemen, the state of our city is strong and is getting stronger each and every day. And that's simply because we're doing so many things that so many times before people thought were simply impossible. When some said homeless was unsolvable, we started to provide permanent supportive housing. When some said we could never be united in this city, we passed a budget that navigated through the most severe financial crisis in our history. And when confronted by injustice. We had the courage to take a stand for equality and allow same-sex couples the same rights and privileges that all Americans are afforded. We're proud of that. You should be too. We're doing more. We're doing more with fewer resources. 
Over the last two years, just the last two years, California, the state of California, has cut $2.6 billion from our cities and counties. San Francisco alone has lost $70 million in state funding to our city's general fund. And this year, the upcoming new year, we're going to lose an additional $35 million. Now, nationally, the problems are even more magnified. In the last four years, some 5 million Americans have lost their health insurance. Now 45 million Americans have no health insurance at all. There has been a 56% increase in the cost of health care premiums. And Medicare costs are up a staggering 17.5%. That is the biggest increase in the history of our country. Poverty is up, not down. 35.8 million Americans are now living below the poverty line. And in just the last four years, some 4.3 million Americans have joined their ranks. Now these are, put this in perspective, these are families of four with total household income of just $18,810 a year. Nationally, unemployment is up in the last four years. Some 1.6 million Americans have lost their jobs. 500,000 kids have lost their after-school programs, including 300,000 just last year. And 100,000 kids, can you believe this? 100,000 kids are without child care services because of federal cuts. In cities across America, you know this, homicide rates are up and gang violence is up. At the same time, the federal government has cut funding for police officers. 23,000 less police officers are now federally funded in this country. And just recently, unbelievable, just recently, they allowed the assault weapons ban to expire despite the heroic efforts despite the heroic efforts of Senator Dianne Feinstein. These are the same weapons of war that are being used in Iraq, and now they are being made more readily available on our streets. Hope 6, Hope 6, the very successful federal program that turned around communities like North Beach Place and Bernal Dwellings, has had its funding cut by over two-thirds. I'd like to acknowledge Mayor Willie Brown, who is here today for his success in securing almost $200 million in the last years, eight years from Hope 6, more than any city in America on a per capita basis. Thank you, Willie Brown. More than any city in America. You know, President Bush's 2005 budget, incidentally, will eliminate the entire Hope 6 program altogether. And just this year, President Bush tried to block grant Section 8 housing vouchers, which could have eliminated as many as a quarter of a million housing vouchers nationwide and would have put at risk some 800 families here in San Francisco. But thanks to the leadership of our very own Nancy Pelosi and our efforts at the U.S. Conference of Mayors, we were able to defeat this misguided initiative. See, we're living in a time. We're proud of that. We are proud of that. We are living, we are living in a time of failed leadership at the state and federal levels. Cities like San Francisco have become America's first responders in almost every category, forced to create solutions to seemingly intractable problems that we face in this country. Confronted by complete abdication of responsibility from the state and federal governments, we are a city that has remained true to our core values. Here in San Francisco, we have begun a revolution of solutions that challenge the status quo to innovate and reinvent, to rethink and connect our city with its people. We are fulfilling our obligation to educate, to create jobs, to build affordable housing, to provide affordable health care, and to house the homeless. In the last decade, in the last decade alone, over 1,000 people have lost their lives on our streets. They weren't murdered. They were homeless. 
Homelessness has replaced the Golden Gate Bridge and the cable car as one of the city's most defining symbols. It is the one thing, I believe this, I believe it is the one thing that every San Franciscan can agree upon, that homelessness is the problem in San Francisco. Together, together, we have challenged the status quo and reconnected our most needy residents with vital city services. When we could have just offered another shelter bed, we are increasingly offering a home and supportive services to the homeless. Where others were defeated, we are and were determined. And now that determination is saving lives. It is saving lives. Take, take Melvin Boyd. He's a Karanak Cash client. Until recently, Mr. Boyd was living in our shelters and on our streets, and he was unable to hold down a job. But just this May, Mr. Boyd was given a permanent home at the Greystone Hotel. Today he has a steady job, and he's recently moved out of the Greystone Hotel into his own subsidized apartment. Mr. Boyd is here today. Mr. Boyd, would you stand? We honor your struggles, and we salute your perseverance. I thank you for being here today, Mr. Boyd. That's what it's all about. See, the Housing First model adopted under Care Not Cash is a comprehensive approach that provides supportive housing while addressing the underlying causes of homelessness. Since January, San Francisco, since January, this city has added 776 units of new supportive housing without spending one penny more of your taxpaying dollars. Now, one penny more. We replaced the cash-based system of care with a service-enriched system of care. And by the end of the year, by the end of this year, we will have over 940 new units of supportive housing. I'm proud of that, and you should be too. I'd like to thank, in particular, Supervisor Bevan Dufty for his strong support of these efforts. Thank you, Supervisor. Just last week, I'm proud of this, you know, just last week, 300 city workers and volunteers took part in an historic effort called Project Homeless Connect. In one day, in just one day, we connected 600 homeless San Franciscans with the services and the referrals they need to get their lives back on track. I want to thank every one of those city workers, many that are here today and the volunteers that are here today, for standing up and being part of the solution. Thank you very much for your good work. Today I'm, I'm proud to announce that this initiative will now be made permanent. Starting in November, just next month, Project Homeless Connect will bring hundreds and hundreds of people out behind their desks and onto the streets to conduct outreach at least one day each and every month. And by the way, this is in addition to our ongoing daily outreach efforts. We have come so far in this city. Now is not a time to retreat. We can end homeless. We can end chronic homeless in this city if we have the courage and commitment to implement the 10-year plan developed under the leadership of Angela Alioto. I would like to thank, I would like to thank the members of the 10-year planning council, including Supervisor Chris Daly, for his strong support of putting that plan together. Thank you, Supervisor Daly. Now, the, the next step, the next step is passing Proposition A. This is an important step. We need to pass this. It's a housing bond on this November's ballot. Proposition A will invest $90 million in developing permanent supportive housing, making San Francisco a model for the nation. By comparison, by comparison, the entire Bush administration's budget for supportive housing for the entire country is just $70 million.
That's a disgrace. Now, providing funding, essential funding for supportive housing is only part of what Proposition A will do. It will invest an additional $50 million in the creation of new homeownership opportunities for low and moderate income families. Prop A. Prop A will provide real homeownership opportunities for our middle class, rooting our middle class in our city's future by making it possible for their children to own a home in this great city. We need more homeownership in the city and county of San Francisco. <laughs> Prop A will also invest an additional $60 million in the development of affordable rental housing for low-income families. All of these dollars, all of these dollars will leverage state and civic and federal monies, resulting in total housing investment of close to $1 billion. I want to thank Supervisor Peskin for his stewardship and other members of the board for making sure the voters have a chance to support this historic effort. Thank you, Supervisor Peskin. Now, as with housing and homelessness, we also have a choice. We can stand behind the status quo, or we can advance with innovative and inventive solutions that reconnect the city with its people. Today, over 130,000 San Franciscans are without health insurance. Again, we have a choice. We can retreat and accept that status quo or advance towards a healthier community by making universal health care a reality. We have chosen. We have chosen. This city has chosen to move forward, connecting residents with the health care that they need. This year, we committed to providing health care for every San Franciscan eligible, not just San Franciscans eligible 0 to 18, but for every San Franciscan 0 to 25. No other city, no other municipality, no other state in this country has ever done what we just did in San Francisco. You should be proud of that. Now, Healthy kids are essential to a healthy community, but so too are healthy schools. Today, today the city's direct investment in the schools is the highest it has ever been. In future years, thanks to the leadership of Supervisor Tom Amiano, Proposition H will set aside Proposition H will set aside $60 million annually for San Francisco's public schools to fund arts and music, physical education, early childhood education, and other vital programs. But we did not have to wait for Proposition H to kick in because our kids cannot wait. The budget I signed in August Thank you, Supervisor Sandoval. Thank you, Supervisor McGoldrick. The budget we signed in August immediately sets aside $11 million for city schools. $11 million that would not have been there unless we had the courage to make the kind of investment that our children deserve. We have also followed through on a commitment. We also followed through on the commitment to create a liaison position within the mayor's office to coordinate our efforts between the school district and the city and county of San Francisco. You know, look, as mayor, I recognize that I don't have direct responsibility for our schools, nor do I have oversight in policymaking. But together, together, I believe we have an obligation to advance excellence for every San Franciscan. That's why improving our schools is among my highest priorities. You will see that demonstrated in the next three and a half years. We have also made supporting Superintendent Ackerman's Dream Schools a priority. These schools offer real hope in our city for youth at underperforming schools. And if there was ever a time, if there was ever a time to use our rainy day fund, this was the year to do it. City schools received, in addition 
to those $11 million, an additional $3.5 million to create new safety initiatives, to enhance further athletics and arts programs, and to establish apprenticeship programs and increase summer school funding. We're proud of that as well. These funds, these funds will also be used to combat truancy, a serious problem plaguing our public schools and our community. Just a few days ago, we announced an initiative, a new initiative to reduce truancy. And I want to thank Supervisor Arlene Ackerman, Superintendent Arlene Ackerman, for her hard work on that effort. Our commitment, our commitment to San Francisco's youth does not end in the classroom. Today, San Francisco has 42 youth in the California Youth Authority. Now, I believe that the CYA is no place to send our children. We can do better. We can do better. Today, I am announcing that we are convening a task force led by Judge Katherine Feinstein, my Office of Criminal Justice, in partnership with Public Defender Jeff Adachi, in partnership with District Attorney Kamala Harris, our Juvenile Probation Department, and the Department of Children, Youth, and their families. Now, this task force will develop a plan to ensure that none of San Francisco's children will be sent to the CYA. This plan will take effect within the next two years. We're going to make that happen. We will make that happen. Today, without a doubt, our city's communities are healthier and they are being made safer. Citywide, we are more ready than ever to respond to a catastrophe. Whether man-made or mother nature, we remain steadfast in our resolve and readiness to keep San Francisco safe. With the help of Supervisor Fiona Ma, we have updated our emergency operations plans for the first time in over a decade to reflect the new threats of the 21st century. We have conducted joint training exercises with our police, our fire, and our public health departments. And we have reached an unprecedented level of cooperation with our regional partners, conducting tabletop exercises and drills with other Bay Area first responders. And just this year, just this year, we surpassed 11,000 city residents trained and ready to respond in the event of a disaster. Today, I'm proud, I'm very proud to announce that San Francisco has been awarded a $700,000 grant from Homeland Security that will make it possible to significantly expand our neighborhood emergency response programs. The NERC program is a model for the country. Now, while planning for the unknown is essential, it has not prevented us from focusing on the day-to-day -day realities on San Francisco's streets. It has been a difficult nine and a half months since I took office. And while violent crime is dropped 5%, homicide rates have soared and gang violence has escalated. And we suffered the brutal slaying of one of the city's finest, police officer Isaac Espinosa, the first officer to be shot and killed in the line of duty in a decade. So today I express again our city's gratitude to Officer Espinosa for his service and our sorrow to his family. This city will never forget your sacrifice. We will never forget it. The problems we face are real. But we cannot turn a blind eye or shrug our shoulders, hoping that they'll go away. No, we are doing just the opposite. I asked for more beat officers, and now we've got them. Today, there are 44 additional officers walking the neighborhood beat, including 16 in our public housing authority sites. And we have plans in the next 18 months to add an additional 150 officers. We're using new technologies. 
We're using new technologies like crime mapping to provide real-time data to police officers, helping to identify hotspots and to better allocate our resources. And today I'm announcing we will be bringing the ComStat model to policing to our police department within the next six months. It is long overdue. But we can't stop there. What value is public safety and prosperity if not every San Franciscan feels more secure or is better off than they were yesterday? In truth, while our city is united in name, we remain remarkably separate communities. In our city's southeast, there is a San Francisco that is a community apart, separated by geography, separated by violence, and separated by decades of neglect. Despite over 40 years of promises, 40 years of programs, 40 years of speeches, 40 years of high rhetoric and good attentions, economic and social conditions in the southeast are worse, not better. It's there in Bayview-Hunters Point, Visitation Valley, Petrero Hill, that our problems are magnified. Now, for too long, for too long, we have commonly accepted newspaper reports of young men being gunned down in their youth, 14-year-olds killing 15-year-olds a 25-year-old man, a suspect in the killing of a six-week-year-old baby. Now, we glorify killing on television and, of course, in the movies, and we call that entertainment. But at the same time, we make it easy for men and women of all shades of sanity to acquire whatever weapons they desire. See, we can crack down on crime, and we have, but punishment is not prevention, nor is an armed camp a place of peace. We can spend money on the problems, and we have, but the answer is one we've always known, that though sometimes I think we've forgotten it, that money itself is no answer. Programs which are misguided accomplish nothing. Program passing, after all, is not problem solving. In fact, laws and government programs are only part of the answer. The solution, the solution, I believe, lies in reconnecting the communities of the Southeast with City Hall and the rest of the cities. It's time for an order of magnitude change in San Francisco. See, it's, it's our task to connect hope with opportunity, to replace despair with jobs, and to connect potential with solutions. Just yesterday, I was pleased to announce the Communities of Opportunity Initiative, an unprecedented effort that responds to the needs of our most neglected and disadvantaged neighborhoods. This initiative will focus on reforming the way we deliver services, building better housing and job creation. As part of that initiative, I'm proud today to announce the creation of a local HOPE 6 program that will replace public housing developments with vibrant communities. These communities will blend new mixed-use housing, mixed-income housing, and commercial development. No longer will our public housing be isolated from the rest of this city. And while we will work to provide people with decent homes, we know that everyone also needs good jobs, and they need the financial tools to get out of poverty. That's why we've created a local earned income tax credit, the Working Families Tax Credit, that will put money directly into the hands of the working poor. Now, the Federal Earned Income Tax Credit is probably one of the most successful anti-poverty programs in this country's history, just after Social Security. Now, we hope to provide up to $6 million for working families, allowing them to keep more of what they earn. The city has already, we have already committed to $3 million over the next two years for the Working Families Tax Credit. 
Today, I challenge the corporate and philanthropic communities to match that contribution. In addition, we must also improve the way our government connects with its people by reforming our relationship with community-based organizations. There is not a problem. There is not a problem or a program which hundreds of service providers or bureaucrats are not earnestly hard at work. But does that represent in each case a, a solution to our problems? Manifestly, it does not. The truth is, while many service providers do great work, others are not accountable for outcome and results. So over the next year, over the next year, we will double the number of performance audits of city contracts and finally bring more accountability to the way services are delivered in San Francisco. In every neighborhood, in every community of our city, we are advancing our core values, improving our quality of life at the same time we're helping others. In June, my Office of Community Development launched Project Connect. Its mission was simple, to ask people of San Francisco how we as a city can do better. We asked what works, what doesn't work, what should be discarded, and what should be fixed. Some 800, some 867 volunteers and city workers, including Supervisor Sophie Maxwell, knocked on 10,333 doors in some of the most underserved communities in our city, including Visitation Valley, Bayview Hunters Point, the Western Edition, the Tenderloin, our very own Mission Chinatown, and Petrero Hill. Just yesterday, we announced the results of Project Connect, and I'm sure the findings, I'm sure the findings will come as no surprise to many of you. While well, people have new job skills, they lack the jobs to go with them. People want and need housing that's safe. They want and need housing that's clean and affordable. They need safer streets. And they want the opportunity to build businesses and grow their own community's economy. Today, I stand before you to say we heard you and we are responding. We are announcing today that Project Connect will become San Francisco Connect, connecting San Francisco's business, arts, education, our parks, housing, health care, job training and job placement, an entire array of other city services. This unprecedented initiative, which we are now making permanent, will not only connect San Franciscans with services, it will connect San Franciscans to one another. It's an opportunity, an opportunity for our residents to give back to the city, which has given so much to all of us. I call upon every resident, every resident of this city, to become part of San Francisco Connect, to volunteer your time, to join in the effort of changing the way we live and the way we view one another. As we connect our most vulnerable residents with the services that they need, we are also working to improve the quality of life for every San Franciscan by cleaning our streets, planting new trees, and creating even more open space. We're proud of that. And I'm proud to report, I'm proud to report that while we are the most densely populated American city, we achieved a remarkable number. We achieved a 63% recycling rate. And you can compare that to New York City, the second most densely populated city, with only a 20% recycling rate. Only 20%. We are softening our edges of our urban landscape. We're making the streets more friendly, and we're making the streets more welcoming. We are greening median strips along Van Ness Avenue and Slope Boulevard, a project championed by Supervisor Sean Ellsburn. And in the coming year, we're going to do the same for Lombard Street, for Geary Boulevard, and Junipero Serra Boulevard. And we are committed. We are committed to leaving our environment healthier and stronger than we found it. That is evidenced. That is evidenced in our ongoing efforts to increase solar power, 
adopt green building technologies to improve air quality, to reduce harmful toxics, and implement a comprehensive urban forestry plan. We are also the only city in the country that has adopted a precautionary principle. Better to be safe than sorry. Better to be safe than sorry. See, when it comes to the environment, we're leading this country by example. That's why the United Nations picked San Francisco to host World Environment Day in June 2005. Mayors from all around the world. They're coming here. Mayors from all around the world, including UN Secretary Kofi Annan, are coming to this city to learn from us and to share best practices. Our commitment to the environment and higher quality of life is complemented by our long-term strategy to grow the economy and create the jobs of the future. Many of these jobs are in conservation and clean energy, and San Francisco is committed to leading the way in these new and emerging industries. We're also making headway. We're also making headway in bridging the digital divide. Recently, we made free wireless internet available at Union Square. Today I'm announcing that we will bring Wi-Fi to our Civic Center, to Portmouth Square, and to Ferry Plaza. And we will not stop until every San Franciscan has access to free Internet service. Every San Franciscan. Why not? We're also developing plans to bring wireless technologies and free computers to all of our affordable housing developments and community centers throughout the city and county of San Francisco. To all of our affordable development sites. These technologies will connect our residents to the skills and the jobs of this new economy. No San Franciscan should be without a computer and a broadband connection. No San Franciscan. None. But let me tell you, i got a strong belief. See, we cannot be for jobs if we are against business. The private sector is the engine of our economic growth and the fuel for a better tomorrow. <laughs> Indeed, you know, without the private growth of the business sector, none of the goals that we've outlined in the next three years will ever be achieved. That's why in the last 100 days, we have met with over 100 CEOs of the biggest and fastest growing companies in San Francisco to hear from them about what is working and what is not. And in the coming months, our Office of Economic and Workforce Development will unveil a series of initiatives based on those meetings to bring together the public and the private sectors in a new and innovative way. I am committed I am committed to making San Francisco more business friendly. We must do that for the long-term success of this city. Now, one of the great opportunities for San Francisco in our economic future is in the life sciences, nanotech, and biotech industries. San Francisco, you know this, San Francisco has conceived of over 70 biotech companies, yet none of those companies, not one, are located in the city. These companies are now supporting 85,000 jobs in the Bay Area and just 30 in the city. Now, recognizing a problem and resolving that problem are altogether different. That's why I was proud to work with the Board of Supervisors and, in particular, with Supervisor Michaela Aliotto-Pierre to sign into law a biotech tax credit, which is encouraging companies to come back to their birthplace. They are coming back. Thank you, Supervisor. And to make sure, and to make sure that every resident benefits from these new economic opportunities, we are working with City College 
to create biotech job training programs. It's also time to revitalize and clean up our neighborhoods. We will begin by turning the mid-market area into a world-class arts and cultural district. It's about time. Today I'm announcing the long overdue renovation of the UN and Holiday Plazas, which will be completed by May of next year. We will create community benefits districts in Noe Valley, the Tenderloin, Polk, Fillmore, Third Street, as well as San Bruno, Ocean, and Leland Avenues, committing merchants and property owners to invest in their areas by planting trees and flowers, replacing benches, cleaning sidewalks, removing graffiti, and so much more. And most notably, most notably, we expect to finally break ground at the Hunters Point shipyard by spring of next year. After 30 years of promises, we're finally taking action. When completed, when completed, this project will provide 1,600 housing units, one-third of which will be affordable, and 34 acres of open space, parks, and community facilities, job training, as well as jobs. This is the moment the Southeast has been waiting for since 1974. 1974. By every measure, by every measure, San Francisco is making progress. Unemployment is down. Hotel occupancy is up. In fact, everything that should be up is up, and everything that should be down is down, including cruise ship activity. Cruise ship berthings have now increased 43% over last year. Retail and residential construction is on the rise. Travel to the city is up. Airlines, including United, Air New Zealand, and Icelander are expanding service to San Francisco. And Virgin Airlines just made SFO their home. Not Dulles Airport and not Boston's Logan, San Francisco's International Airport. And business investment. Business investment is up since January. Over a dozen businesses have made San Francisco their home, including Jimbury, Cathay Pacific, H&M, Body Shop, Primitive Logic, and Design Within Reach. Now, while we're moving in the right direction, challenges remain. When I took office, we faced an unprecedented budget deficit. It challenged us. It challenged us to ask ourselves, do we care more about clean parks and safe streets than we do about health care or school programs? Or do we care more about housing the homeless than we do about providing first-rate education to our kids? Our answer was clear. Unlike the state and federal governments, we will not pass our problems on to others. We will not borrow. We will not borrow from tomorrow to pay for today. We will not sacrifice this generation for the next. Now, we will not do that. This is in stark contrast to the state and federal governments. We have made tough choices. In the last eight months, we've eliminated 955 city positions. We have consolidated. We have consolidated five departments, and we have streamlined redundant services. We have achieved historic agreement with our city workers securing $138 million in savings. And I want to thank the city workers. I want to thank the labor leaders in this room for making that possible and helping us through this year. We thank you. But if we are to continue to advance as a city, and continue to advance as a community, we must come together in November to pass Propositions J and Proposition K.
This is not an easy choice. Taxes never are, but neither are budget cuts. The plain truth is this. Without passage of these measures, we will have to cut $97 million from our budget over the next 18 months. Make no mistakes. Make no mistakes. This will have a devastating impact on our city and the services we provide and the people that we serve. Passage of Propositions J and K will allow us to continue to rethink the scope and purpose of City Hall and will allow us to continue to connect city government with its people. Now, as we continue to work through this unprecedented budget deficit, we must take every precaution as well against future downturns. That's why I'm proposing a charter amendment to require a 10-year capital plan, a two-year budget cycle, and stronger fiscal, sa fiscal safeguards. It's about time to have two-year budgets in San Francisco. We can and we must do better. We must do a better job planning for today and for tomorrow. I pledge you that if you pass Propositions J and K, we, city government, will do our part. We hope you do your part by supporting them on the November ballot. It's important. It's important. An example of that, on April 14th of this year, my administration launched San Francisco STAT. This is a powerful performance management program that will improve services and make government work better. Rather than responding to an audit every few years, department heads now report monthly with real data about budgets, overtime, absenteeism, sick pay, contracts, and customer service. How many potholes has DPW filled this month? How does that compare to last month? How many false alarms did the fire department respond to, and how can we reduce them? How many homeless San Franciscans? How many homeless San Franciscans have we gotten off the streets and into housing? We're asking tough questions, and departments are responding with real answers supported by real data. And we are not stopping there. It's time to make city government more accessible and much more accountable. In 18 months, in just 18 months, we will have in place a single telephone number for accessing all city services. Right now, right now, there are literally hundreds of phone numbers for accessing city services. It's no wonder that 50% of all the calls that go into the 911 emergency call center are for non-emergencies. At least there, you get someone to answer the phone. Now, we're going to replace those numbers. We're going to replace those numbers with one, three, one, one. If you need graffiti removed from your property to report a stolen wallet, get a muni schedule, to find out where to get a flu shot or a marriage license, you will be able to dial one simple number, 311. You'll get a human being on the phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, available in 140 languages. You won't get a busy signal. You won't get a voicemail. And you won't get a phone tree. Time has come, and I'm proud that we're getting closer and closer to 311. Everywhere you look, Everywhere you look in San Francisco, there are signs of renewed optimism, renewed prosperity, and, and hope. You can see it in the new 3rd Street light rail that's just coming above ground that will begin running next year. See it along the new Octavia Boulevard, which is a model for streetscapes and transit-oriented development and community planning. It's what it's all about. In the new housing opportunities, new housing opportunities in the Mission Bay and Treasure Island, at the Trans Bay Terminal, which is an historic partnership with the state and federal agencies to provide high-speed rail and a hub for Bay Area Transit. Let's make the Trans Bay Terminal a reality. That is a great vision for the future of this city. And you can see it 
you can see it in the myriad of new cultural opportunities that will soon be made available to every San Franciscan, like the de Young Museum, the African Diaspora Museum, the Jewish and Mexican Museum, and the new Academy of Sciences. They're on the way. They're on the way. Today I stand for you. I mean this sincerely. I stand before you as someone who has never been more proud to be a San Franciscan. In the face of great challenges, we have remained true to our values. We have begun a revolution of solutions. And though, as Thomas Jefferson wrote, the generation that commences revolution rarely completes it, I am not discouraged. Because we are a city that dares to ask, what if? What if we can offer permanent housing to the homeless? What if we can clean up our playgrounds and streets all across the city? What if we make it possible for the average San Franciscan to own their own home? What if we make universal health care in the city a reality? What if we offered a job training tied to an actual job? What if we replaced substandard housing developments with safe and healthy communities? What if we made every San Francisco neighborhood safer, healthier, and stronger? What if we try what's never been tried before? Over the next three years, that's exactly what this city is going to do. I am confident that we will continue to move forward, continue to find solutions that bring San Franciscans together, solutions that advance our goal of building one city, one community, comprised of diverse people, living and advancing together across every conceivable difference, but connected, connected always by the hope and the conviction that together we can make a better tomorrow. Thank you all very, very much.